Welcome to New Life. My name is Jeff Baker. Glad to have you guys here with us. We are in the second week of our current teaching series that we entitled Call of Duty. So um, I hope that you are ready, ready to receive you know what God's got to say to you today. Uh, you know, this is going to be one of those uh, core value kind of messages. The whole the whole series Call of Duty is about core values. These are things that God has called us to do. These are things that God says, get out there in the mission field of the world and make these things happen. And so this is week two of that. Uh, This teaching series is four weeks long. Um, Are you saying then that uh, God's only asked us to do really four things? Well, no, that's not. That's not the case. But there are core values. These are things that these are non-negotiables. These are things that we've been called to do. We've got we've got to figure out how to do these things better. And so we're focusing on them. We're also celebrating them as basically being our our operational manual. These are the things that God said, listen, be experts at this. Get really good at this. Figure out how to pray better in these areas. Let your heart just be given to me in these few areas. And so last week Last week we talked a little bit about what it meant to live with an authentic relationship with God. We just kind of tackled some things like uh, being genuine in your relationship with God and being accurate in your relationship with God. If if any of that kind of stuff just kind of flew over the top of your head or you caught part of it but you didn't catch all of it, please make sure that uh, you either download the app live stream um, onto your uh, phone or onto your tablet where you can then search for New Life Carney and you can get all of the archived sermons that we've uploaded to that app. Um, you can also just go to newlifecarney.org and you can click, you know, watch our services. And we have all of our archived material there as well. So it's a great way for you to go back and re-listen to a message or it's a great way for you to pass a message on to a friend as well. I've got people that are traveling from here. In fact, this last, I think it was last week, um, after the Sunday morning service. Yeah, it was last week. After the Sunday morning service, um, one of our members here at the church had been down in Florida and said, Hey, just want you, want you to know you're looking good in Florida. You know, great sermon. I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, great. Thank you for, thank you for watching while you're on semi vacation. That's awesome. Um, that really does. That's the kind of stuff that encourages me that even when our people are traveling, they're still staying connected to God. That's a value of mine. So, uh, let's just keep rolling with that today. Today, what we want to tackle is a word called replication. Now, before we get too far into this, okay, before we get too far into this, uh, some of you guys are wondering to yourself, replication, okay, I don't, I don't hear that word very often in church. Well, let me just may, maybe bring um, a different context to that, make disciples, okay? So now when you hear me use the word replication, I'm really referring to making disciples, okay? Are we good with that? So would you do something for me really quick? If you have a phone, a cell phone right now, just pull it out. We're going to need them for a second, okay? We're not going to do anything techie, so don't get freaked out at me, all right? You know, because some of you guys are like, every time you got to pull something out and get techie on us or whatever. Um, I'm not going there. I just need you to have your phone in your hand. Now, thank you very much. Okay, so um, how many of you, just with a show of raising your phone, how many of you have a smartphone device of any kind? Okay, raise it up. Okay, put it back down. How many of you would say then, then the opposite of that would be how many of you then still own a dumb phone? Okay, okay. Now, that's not a negative. That's not a negative, okay? It just is a, it's just a language of our culture. Okay, so no matter what phone you have, this illustration is still going to work for you. Now, for me, all right, it doesn't matter necessarily what the phone is, but I am super thankful for a few things about this phone. 
Number one, this phone is technically smarter than me. Let that go on record. But number two, this phone was created for, with a quality control to, you know, uphold to the manufacturer's specifications to make sure that this thing went out of the factory working like it was supposed to. So that when I paid my hard-earned dollars on it, I opened it up out of the box and it worked like it was supposed to. How many of you had the same experience with your phone? Just hold your phone up in the air. It worked. It worked. All right. Now, okay. Now, it doesn't mean that it didn't break down at some point. All right. So don't get all hard on it. All right. Normally, when it came out of the box, it worked. And if it didn't, you went back and you got one that out of the box. It worked because nothing's perfect in this world. But just think about your phone for a second. Just think if this phone wasn't created to the quality control of the manufacturer's specifications. Now, how many of you would open them out of the box and think that they would work? Not very many of them. Because one person's going to tighten a screw to a certain place. One person's going to put the camera in or they're not going to put the camera in. One person's going to, you know, use glass on the front of it that's slightly larger than the other person. Each phone is going to be uniquely different. And none of them are going to have quality control. All right? Now, so now we've established the fact that these devices are coming out of the factory with a quality control that's making sure that when they go out of the factory, they all look the same and they all function the same. That's important. Now, is there anybody near you that has the same kind of phone? Anybody near you that has the same kind of phone? Just kind of look around. Show them your phone really quick. Does anybody near you have the same kind of phone? Anybody have a, an iPhone? I'm using an iPhone. You got an iPhone? Use it right here. Okay. All right. Good. Just find some people. Seriously. Just look around. Look. The, these are not people that are, you know, just out of prison, you know, right, right now. These are nice people, all right, right here. Look around, kind of mingle with people, okay? Um, if you are just out of prison, that doesn't mean that you're mean. Okay, I'm, I apologize. I apologize. That was not good of me. Man, scratch that from the notes. Never say that again, okay? Um, all right, so, uh, do you, did you find somebody that has the same kind of phone? All right, hopefully you do. All right. You, Al, and, and I. Now, is your, let's see, let's see now, since our phones both came out of the factory, you know, the same. Let's see if they're still the same. Do you, do you have the same ringtone as I do? You don't. What is your ringtone? Which, by the way, while he figures out what his ringtone is, some of your ringtones are just really obnoxious. You need to have your grandchildren help you. I'm just telling you right now. Some of you guys need some, you need some help. All right. Did you change yours, Al, from the factory default? You did. Okay. Well, there you go. I didn't, right? I'm a naturalist. Okay. Um, actually, I didn't. I don't know that I've ever taken the time. I don't really care. Okay. So, Al, tell me, tell me this. Um, do you have, do you have um, the Church Life app on your phone? Church Life app. You probably don't. You probably. What's one app that you have though? You know, just any any app that is unique for you, Al. LinkedIn. Okay. All right. That's a good example. I don't have LinkedIn on mine, but you don't have church life on yours. You don't have the same ringtone. I don't have the same ringtone. We probably don't even have the same background, right? Because my background's a picture of me smiling right at me every time. Okay. That's, that's not, just joking. That's, that's wrong. Again, don't say those things. Gotta put that stuff in my notes. Okay. So, we, we all, the, the point here is this. Our phones came out of the, of the factory set to a certain default. And as soon as the phone got in your hands, you started messing with it and changing it, whether it's a smartphone or a dumb phone, and you've altered everything about it. 
This example right here has everything to do with spiritual replication. Spiritual replication. Spiritual replication demands that the heart of a person is identical when they stand before Christ. Now, no, not the sin of a person. The heart belief of a person, such as Jesus is Lord. That's a factory default for Christianity. Okay? Um, Grace that's given by God versus works. That's a factory default set from the heart of God. Repentance is needed. Our hearts before God repenting of the fact that we're messed up, we're screwed up, and we need a perfect holy God set from the default of the heart of God. That God's word is accurate, it's infallible, and it's true. That's a default set from the manufacturer, the heart of God. And if we are going to replicate ourselves, or we're going to reproduce ourselves into the hearts of someone else, we have to make sure that we're replicating the default settings spiritually that come from the heart of God. Now, those are the major issues. The minor issues, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what apps we have or what our backgrounds look like. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what our ringtones are. But you know what happens in Christianity a lot? We get, we get all concerned with the minor issues when it comes to replicating ourselves with others. And we lose sight of the manufacturer defaults from the heart of God. And we start influencing one another with guilt and with shame and religiosity and legalism and all, all kinds of other things. And we, we start trying to, you know, make sure that everyone can just do all the same things that I do. But quite frankly, no one's gifted the same way that I am. And no one has the same personality as I do. Some of us are louder, like me. Some of you are quiet. Some of us have, you know, you know, big, outgoing personalities. Some of us are a little bit more reserved. Is that okay? Of course it is. That's why you have a smartphone or a dumb phone and you can set it the way you want it. That's the way God designed it. He designed His kingdom to have kingdom principles that are non-negotiables and then he set it up and he said but each of you are going to act them out differently and by the way that's exactly what god's heart wants that's beautiful that's awesome isn't it that's where we're going today how do we do that you know last week we looked at a passage in corinthians first corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 And in that passage, it began to spell out the concept that, you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to reflect the image of God instead of trying to make ourselves a copy of God. Remember that copy of God was that flashlight that was trying to imitate that bright light that I was reflecting around the room with my with my mirror. That copy is you just trying to work hard enough, focus hard enough. It's really you primarily focused on the minor issues. Instead of reflecting God, it's just coming to God with those manufacturer defaults and going, how can I reflect who you are to the world around me? So that was important to learn last week. I said that we're not supposed to be copies of God. We're supposed to be reflecting the original of God. Now, let's take it to the next level. Because the Bible does say that copying is allowable. In fact, it's encouraged. When it comes to Jesus saying, go and make disciples, or Paul saying things like, I urge you to be imitate, to imitate me. What those two passages are really saying is, on this earth, from one human to another, go and make disciples, go and make a copy of who you are. 
But remember this. The copy that you're making of who you are is the image that you're reflecting from Christ. So in the end, you're not making people that just look like you. You're trying to help people look just like him. But Jesus said, now go and make a copy of yourself into someone else. Go make a copy. So I want you to know that we're supposed to reflect the image of God, but we're supposed to make copies of one another. And that's what it means to spiritually replicate. And the Apostle Paul was all over this. I mean, this guy lived and he breathed, reproducing himself into others, making copies of himself that he sent out, but he let them be their own unique person. But when he made a copy of himself, he always made sure he pointed them back to the the original. And he goes, now go and imitate me, but know this, I'm reflecting the image of Christ to you. So you're really imitating him. And I want you to go about and do those things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, this is what Paul is saying here. He goes, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Now with that passage up there just for a few moments. There's a big difference in this passage with some things that Paul's trying to help us understand what it means to replicate. The first thing that just stands out, it just is blatant, it's going, you know, know this, read this, understand this, is there's a big difference in this passage between guides and fathers. Has anybody ever gone whitewater rafting before? Anybody? Okay, you had a guide take you. Okay? That's not a person that you've ever met before. It's a person that's helped you conquer one thing. And then you got out of their boat and you went on about your life. But a father, on the other hand, a father helped bring you into this world. If your father's still alive, your father's still your father. He's not just there for a little boat ride. He's there from the beginning to the end. There's a big difference in Christianity between guides and fathers. And one of the temptations for you and me is to get surrounded with a bunch of guides, but not allow ourselves to have spiritual fathers. It's that rebellious, independent nature that's built into the inside of all of us, that it's a lot easier to, as an example, even for me, it's a lot easier just to go, you know, Google and watch a sermon from someone that I'll never meet or I'll never know or, you know, glean from someone that I'll never know or meet than it is to submit myself to a spiritual father like Bob Wine is for me. Bob Wine, our former lead pastor here. That's more of a spiritual father. Submit yourself to. I still have to do those things. I still need to submit myself to spiritual fathers. Instead of just letting all these little guides speak into my life that I have no accountability to. If you want to replicate your heart into others, which by the way, it's a mandate for you and me. And if you're wanting to find yourself looking more like Christ, then you and me are going to have to get some spiritual fathers around us. And by the way, you and me are going to be called to become spiritual fathers for others. That's not just the heart of the Apostle Paul. That's the heart of God. But look how Paul influences. or Look how Paul instructs. Look how he says to them confidently, imitate me. Look at his master plan. Take a look at the very next verse in verse 17. It says this, That is why I sent you Timothy. My beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. How does, 
How does Paul end up replicating himself? He not only does it by saying, imitate me, and by proclaiming himself and boldly, confidently going, I'm glad to be your spiritual father. But he, he, he becomes a spiritual father in Timothy, and he becomes a spiritual father through Timothy. So in replicating ourselves into the hearts of others, we have to realize that it's not just who we're impacting, but it's the lives of the ones we're impacting that are going to impact others. Spiritual grandchildren or great-grandchildren of the kingdom. That's how the message of Christ has been passed down since Jesus gave his life on the cross. This is nothing new. This message has never ended. It is still alive today or you wouldn't be sitting here. And our 1045 service wouldn't be more filling this room and filling up our gymnasium if it wasn't for the fact that someone stood up and declared themselves as a spiritual father boldly and go, I'm going to invest everything I've got into you so that you'll pass it on from one generation to the next generation. So who really is called to replicate then? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if I sit down with a group of people and they go, who's really called to make disciples? Big percentage of the church will say, well, the pastors at New Life are. And yes, that's accurate. And it's also completely inaccurate. The church as a whole, New Life, is not mandated as an entity or an organization to win people into the kingdom and to disciple them. But you are. And by the way, Me as an individual, I am. We are the ones that are given the mission to win the lost and help them become followers of Christ. And you know what this beautiful place is? It's one tool in our toolbox. Just one tool in our toolbox. We use our worship service to invite friends to and to help help each other grow in Christ. But in the end, it's your mission and it's my mission as individuals Because we have to remember, when the Bible says church, it doesn't use the same definition that we use in our culture today. Church means you. Church means me. So God's called you and me with this mission to replicate. So how how are we going to do this? You know, the mission of replication, it's going to start with a couple of things. And I want to draw your attention to them. First one is, is, is this, make outsiders insiders. If we're going to replicate ourselves into the hearts of others, we're going to have to learn how to make outsiders insiders. Have you ever been a part, um, you ever been in something where you felt like the outsider? Has that ever happened to you? I mean, just think all the way back as a kid. You know, everyone's playing, they're doing their thing, and you were the outsider. How did that feel? Doesn't feel very good, does it? It never does. Even in business today, if a bunch of your colleagues are meeting together and you're left out and you're always left out, you're kind of always wondering to yourself, why am I left out? I don't understand that. No one likes to be an outsider. And in spiritually, spiritually though, the Bible talks about the fact that there are outsiders. People that are outside of God's kingdom. Take a look at what Colossians 4 has to say about making outsiders insiders. It says, be wise in the way that you act towards who? outsiders make the most of every opportunity let your conversations be always full of what grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone you and me are charged we're charged to bring outsiders into the kingdom one day 
Jesus was talking with a group of people, and Luke actually, chapter 14, deals with it, but he was sharing different concepts about the kingdom of God, which, by the way, that was his number one message, how to help people that are outsiders get into the kingdom. And he was sharing this story one day, and he said that, look, there was this man who, you know, had a lot of money, had a lot of wealth, and he was like the Lord of the land. And he had invited a bunch of people to come to a banquet. And when the banquet was ready, he sent out servants. And when he sent those servants out to invite the people to come, they all had excuses. Every one of them had excuses. Oh, I got something going on, or I got to fix my car, or I got to do this thing on my house, or, you know, I got to go shop at Walmart. Well, really? The Lord of the land invited you to come, and you got to go shop at Walmart? Are you crazy? That just meant that the people that invited had totally rejected the invitation. So in hearing this, the, the master, the Lord of the land, who Jesus was saying, this represents the heart of my father, and it also represents the kingdom of God, turned to the servant and said, well then, do this. Go into the streets and the alleys and get the crippled and the lame and the blind and the sick and bring them in. Fill this place up because there's a massive feast that's ready and there's a party that's ready. Servant said to the master, I've already done those things. I already did exactly what you asked me to do, which I'm sure that that servant probably went, I feel good about myself. I did it already. Then the master, but he goes, the servant says to the master, but there's still room. There's still room. So then the master said these words in Luke 14, verse 23. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes. And what does he say? Make them. Urge them. Compel them. Make them come in so that my house will be full. What does this tell you about the heart of God, about outsiders becoming insiders? It should tell you that God never gives up, even when he's rejected. God keeps pursuing humanity. God's heart isn't content until heaven is full, fully populated with outsiders becoming insiders. You're an insider today if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You're an outsider if you're just asking questions about who is Jesus, but you haven't made him Lord and leader. I want you to know today, if that's who you are, new life is a safe place for outsiders to become insiders. And how are we going to make it that way? Because I need every single one of you to be safe And I need every single one of you to be out there compelling, helping to make outsiders come in and become insiders. It's not inside of a club. We're talking about inside of eternity with God forever. We're not just talking about one thing to belong to called new life. We're talking about the one thing that everyone needs to belong to, the kingdom of God. We're not talking about just making Sunday set apart for God. We're talking about making your life set apart in eternity for God. That's outsiders becoming insiders. It's not just about filling these pews up. It is about filling up his banquet hall. It's about filling up, populating heaven with outsiders becoming insiders today. And that's what God's wanting to do. I remember back when I was a teenager and we were doing this car wash at our church. Anybody ever done a car wash before? I mean, really, it's more about you getting wet than cars getting washed if it's a bunch of teenagers. We all know that. You know, when you drive through there, just know big spots like the size of your body are not going to get washed on your car, and you're going to give them 15 bucks. Just determine that at the beginning, you won't be as upset afterwards. Okay? I have to remind myself of those things, just passing on a couple of good cents. As a teenager in St. Louis, 
Um, I was there. I actually went out and stood on the corner with the sign and said, hey, you know, hey, car wash, car wash. And cars were just like, boom, boom, boom. They would just drive by. You know, it really gets depressing when you're trying to raise money to go to summer camp and other people don't value the same thing. And they just drive by at the speed of sound. And it's just, right? It gets, yeah, it gets depressing. You're out there like, oh. And then that person gets replaced and they get put on the soap line and someone else gets out there, hey, come. And then this, uh, and then they get replaced. And every once in a while, someone will drive by and they'll, they'll wave or they'll honk. Burp, burp. And you're like, yeah, hey, all right. But then they go on by and... It's encouraging that at least they recognize the fact you're out there with the sign. And then every once in a while, like one in a hundred cars, right? One in two hundred cars. All of a sudden someone goes beep, beep, and they wave, and they slow down, they put the brakes on, and they actually pull in, and the sign goes from here up to, yeah, all right, we're winning, this is awesome. And you yell to your friends, hey, another car's coming, and everyone's like totally excited, they're jazzed out, and someone's coming in and refueling to you where you were dying on the corner because no one was pulling in. That's what your spiritual journey is like if you're not replicating yourself. Spiritual journey is kind of like, you're trying to prop it up and keep it going. But when you're helping outsiders become insiders, there's something about wanting to lift up the banner of Jesus and go, yeah, hey, I want a team. Hey, there's another one coming in. It makes you want to do that. Otherwise, if you're feeling in your spiritual journey like the sign's getting hell low and this thing's getting heavy and it's getting weary, you need refueled by bringing outsiders End the insiders. So don't give up. Don't give up because you were rejected. Don't give up because you think, you just think that what you're doing isn't working. Don't give up because you're getting ignored. Don't do that. Because you are God's A plan for bringing outsiders into insiders. And he doesn't have a B plan. The A plan was Jesus gave his life on the cross so that for generations to come, as long as God would determine it, one generation would replicate spiritual a spirituality and a heart for Christ into the next one. That's God's A plan for winning the world and filling up heaven, populating it with outsiders, becoming insiders. It's his A plan. So run after it. But if you're going to run after that, that means you have to be ready. I'm just going to be honest with you right now. All of our lives, we're going to stand before God. And God's going to go, let me show you the opportunity that, that I gave you that you missed. Let me just show you a quick opportunity that I gave you to share my love with others and you missed it. Not to keep condemnation on you, just to let you know, I was at work doing something you weren't even ready for. This message is powerless, meaningless, and a waste of my time and your time unless we're willing to spiritually be ready. So I'm going to tell you today, God's opening up doors all around you to share the hope that lives inside of you. Because God cares about outsiders more than you could in a multiplier of a thousand or a million. God cares about the lost coming to know him more than you and me and all of us in this room combined. He loves them more than you will ever. Even if they're your own kids. God's throwing opportunities your way left and right. Have you been ready to to seize them? Have you been ready to take advantage of them? Well, I feel intimidated about sharing my faith. I don't really know what to say. Perfect. We have a class going on right now in room 12 called Share Your Faith. How to Share Your Faith. Next week, 
Instead of coming here at 9, go to room 12. Come here at 1045. Get a donut in between. Meet some people. It'll be fun. You'll enjoy it. Mix things up a little bit. It's lively. So you don't know how to share your faith. Go to room 12. They'll help you. That's what they're there for. You know, I mean, you've got to be ready. Spiritually, you've got to be ready. You know, if your life is being bombarded by the sin that just keeps taking you down over and over and you're more focused on you, then hell is winning. If your life is just focused on keeping you afloat, hell's winning in the end. Because God's not interested in just you staying afloat. He's interested in how you can help others stay afloat. That's what God's interested in. So that's what God's calling us to do. So get yourself ready by passionately knowing Jesus. By confidently knowing how to share your faith. And by praying that God would give you opportunities to share the hope that lives inside of you. But that's not where it ends. This mission of replication, it requires each of us, requires each of you to coach spiritual journeys. Coach spiritual journeys. One of the things that always intrigues me about professional sports is there's still a coach. You would think, you know, you get paid millions of dollars to play this sport. You've played it since you were three years old. Why do you still need a coach? Can't you just get it figured out? You've, how many times have you played the game? How many times have you played hockey? How many times have you played football? How many times have you golfed? How many times have you played tennis? But every single one of them still has a coach. It's interesting to me. You know, one of the, one of the things that really pleases my heart is when one of these professionals wins something massive and then they give respect or they prop back up the coach that's still in their life, that's still influencing them. God designed your spiritual journey, to need a coach. And he designed you to be a coach. Yeah. Me? Little humble me? Yes. You. Right where I'm at? Yes. Right where you're at. You need a spiritual coach, you know, to help you along in your journey. And maybe I'm one of those for you, and I'm proud to be that, but I can't be your only one. But you also are called to be a coach to others. Look at what 1 Thessalonians has to say. It says, So in Encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Notice, it's not saying, so pastor, encourage your people. And pastor, build up your people. No, it's saying, encourage each other. He's talking about the body. Encourage each other. You know, come on. Not not a beat you up, kick you, not that kind of thing. It's just kind of like a... Come alongside a person and put your arm around them, you know, and come outside and help hold their sign up and go, it's worth, it's worth it. It's worth holding up the banner of Christ. Encourage one another. You know, you need it. I need it. I need encouragement. That text message that came, you know, last week about the sermon afterwards, that was encouraging to me. But then it also said to what? Build, build each other up. You know what that word means? Build each other up. It means to edify. You know what that, that, that really meant? That word to build each other up was literally referring to the fact of, like if you built up a house, or you built a tower, or you built a bridge, or you built something massive. You build something massive, takes time, doesn't it? Yeah. It doesn't just happen overnight. You want it to. It takes a lot of time. So to build each other up is something that you have to realize if you're going to be a spiritual coach to one another, then you're in it for the long haul. That's basically what it's saying. 
It's basically this going, listen, don't start this unless you're willing to finish it. Get in there and help encourage and build each other up. God's calling you and me to do that. But that's just part A. This is like, that's the easy stuff. You know what the hard stuff is? This is part B of what it means to be a spiritual coach. Look at the hard stuff in Galatians. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, all right, just hang on to that word for a moment, all right? You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourselves. It continues, though. Share each other's burdens. Hang on to that for a second. You know I'm coming back to that one. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. Now, listen to the way it ends. If you think that you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Come on, just nudge the person next to you and just go, you're not that important, all right? Come on, just let them know. Some of you, some of you have been waiting to say that, so please say it with the right heart, all right? You say it with the wrong heart, it's gonna, it's gonna blow up in your face. All right. In, in, in that very, uh, the first couple of verses, not verse three, let's look at verses one and two for a second, okay? It said, it said the word godly. With a small g. What do you think that means? You think that means mature? Like godly. Oh man, I hear that word. I'm like, man, I gotta be like God? That's, that's almost downright impossible. You know what that word literally means right there? It really, it really just means to believe. So you who are godly, you who believe, you who believe, basically, long sentence short, be spiritual coaches to others. You who are godly, you should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. So if you're a believer in here, guess what? This passage is is talking about you. All right? No believer is disqualified. This is not talking about spiritual maturity. This is just talking about believing. So first off, if you're a believer, then yes, you're supposed to be part of the spiritual coaching for others. Then it says the word help. Help. Help that person get back on their feet. Help them. Help them what? Restore them. Get them moving again. Get them, get them back where they belong and get them in the, in the right, in the right place. And then it went on to say, share your burdens. Share their burdens. To share someone's burdens literally means to come alongside them and help pick up their junk and put it on your shoulder and carry it with them. See, it goes, it goes back to that, that word that we talked about a minute ago. That was going, you're going to have to be in it for the long haul. This is not short-term gains. These are long-term missions. If you're going to be in the kingdom of God, then you've got to be a spiritual coach. But the ending of this passage is the big stinger. I mean, look at, look with me in verse 3 very quickly. This one more time, all right? If you think that you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. You know what this thing just rings in my ears and it's just saying things like, you haven't arrived. You never will arrive. So don't even think about it. 
It's spiritual pride to think that you have arrived and you've overcome and you're the insider, not the outsider anymore. So let other outsiders take the hard road that I had to take and become an insider. No. How about you took the hard road from an outsider to an insider? How about make it easier for people to become insiders that are outsiders? How about make it easier? How about come alongside a brother or a sister and get into a life group and encourage them? You know, get into a class and, you know, build relationships. How about fathers, you know, encouraging our children to raise up and to become godly men and women? How about husbands, you know, investing into wives to become godly? How about moms that invest into their children, not just with a good meal and not just to make sure there's a safe place to lay their head down, but they invest spiritually into their children? How about aunts and uncles that invest into families that, uh, you know, family members that are just down and out and trodden and help invest into their spiritual heart, not just take care of their financial needs. It's a lot easier. It's not messy to take care of someone's financial needs. Write the check for $500 and give it to them and walk away. But invest into their spiritual life. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's going to get messy. And that's going to be in for the long haul. None of us are above it. We all need spiritual coaches. To spiritually coach someone is going to require you to jump into their life. And that gets messy. It's going to require you to get down in the nitty-gritty with them and help carry their burdens. But it's a rewarding. And don't forget the best coaching. The best coaching just takes people back to the basics. Many times we get caught in storms of life, temptations of life. We get caught in the worries of life. We get caught in all kinds of things that just seem like they're, ooh, that's big, it's out of control. I don't think I'm qualified to take care of that. No, if you're a believer, you probably are more qualified than you think because many times spiritual coaching is just bringing someone back to salvation, back to grace, back to repentance. It's just back to the basics. Most problems in life don't fall too far from the tree of the biblical Christ-centered basics. Coaching people doesn't mean you have to have a degree. Coaching people doesn't mean you have to have your life all figured out. It's just helping people implement the basics in their life. The other day, Pastor Nate came by my office. I love that guy. He came by my office, and he's all bubbly that day, and, you know, he's up like he's going to conquer the world, and his hair's standing like two feet extra. I'm going to say that in the second service too, so just with integrity, I'm letting you know. Um, but he just pops by, and he just looks at me, and he goes, Hey, how are you doing? And before I could even answer that, on the heels of it came these next words. You still having fun? Well, I mean, I'm sitting at my desk. What am I going to say? No, I'm not having fun, man. I go, yeah, I'm still having fun. He goes, okay, good. And he walks away. That was it. I mean, those are the kind of deep, profound conversations we have here as a staff. How are you? Are you still having fun? Yeah, good. Bye. And we don't see each other again for another 48 hours or whatever. Everyone's running different directions. But I do have to let you know, you know, that day and maybe the couple days before that, there had been a number of things. And his words were not just his words. His words were the words of the Holy Spirit for me that day. Not the how are you doing as much as the are you still having fun. I pondered those words that day. And those words I couldn't get out of my spirit. And I found myself in prayer that day, multiple different moments going, God, that's right. That's what you called me to do. You called me to make sure that the joy of my life is being found in serving you. I'm getting caught up in the details and my joy is sacrificing. Just 
couple of simple words from a friend that had the right heart, who was willing to speak the word at the right time, had a great influence on my life that day. And it's still reverberating enough that it made its way into my sermon. That is actually coaching a spiritual journey. Sound profound? Nope. Sound simple? Yep. Sound like something you can do? You know what all that was? A couple of things that you and me can glean from. He cared about me personally. That's required. He had built an integrity with me that his words meant something to me. He was authentic. He said those words, knowingly or unknowingly, out of the heart of God's spirit to me. He truly meant them. He just met me where I was at and was willing to be God's servant. Today, God's called each of us to make outsiders insiders and to coach people's spiritual journeys. And it's not rocket science. But we've got to come back to the basics. We've got to come back and say, am I more in love with God than anything else? And if I'm not, I have to be more in love with Him than anything else. And then it comes back to the heart of going, God, how can you use my life to influence others? I want my life to influence others. I want the legacy of my life to influence others. I want the simple statements of my mouth to be words that bring life to others. I want you to provide moments and help me to be ready so when the moments come, I seize them and I take advantage of them. Help me to live my life, God, in such a way that my life is attractive, that other people would literally go, how can I imitate them as they follow Christ? comes back to your heart. God's called this church in 2014 to be a replicating church. I challenged everybody that went down to our gym. I gave them 12 months to replicate themselves. That was a challenge that turned some people away. I said, if you're going to go down to our gym and you're going to be part of the plant down there, then one of the things you're agreeing to is you're replicating yourself. One person in one year. I knew that that meant that they would have to go through Numbers of people talking to them, inviting them, investing into their life because a lot of people are going to shut the door and say no. A lot of people are going to say yes, but they're not going to follow through. I knew that. One year, replicate yourself. There's already people that are reproducing themselves spiritually into the hearts of others. And in 2014, that's not just a challenge for you know a group of 60 or 70 people that went to plant a church in our gym. That's a challenge for all of us. 2014, replicate yourself spiritually. Take outsiders, turn them into insiders. Take people and coach their spiritual journey. Become fathers and not just guides for people. Let that be our challenge. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father, your word has transcended generations. It's laced in our history books. From the beginning of time when you spoke humanity into existence, God, you've been purposefully working this same plan of taking outsiders and making them insiders. And you sent your son, Jesus Christ. Ever since that moment, you said to us, go make disciples. And Lord, from one generation to the next, the promise and the truth of your word has been passed down to where we stand here today. But I praise you for that plan. I thank you for that plan. And that plan is still your A plan. And it's still at work today. And what you're looking for is a bunch of people don't just get their hands on everything they can and they forget about you. 
Lord, they use all the resources that their hands have got to invest it into others so that one more generation might know who you are. So that one more son or daughter might come out of the outsider, the darkness, and walk into the light. So that one person might become from a new believer and mature into a, you know, a growing, thriving, flourishing believer. Lord, give us a heart. Break our hearts for the outsiders. That they might become insiders. Break our hearts for them. Break our hearts for replicating ourselves into the lives of others. Let, Let my heart look more like your heart when it comes to this issue. As we worship you, may you come and meet with us in this place. May you challenge us, God. May you draw us to altars like these. That we would be hungry in our hearts to know more of you and to give our lives to you completely. So that we might be part of your plan in 2014 of reproducing and replicating our lives into the lives of others. In Jesus' name.